And happy Tuesday to all of you. I have to laugh at that trolley story. Uh, what an absolute total boondoggle that whole thing was. The U City trolley. I mean, first of all, it's it, it it is it's kind of like the Ukraine of nostalgia. It's a complete and total waste of money. It's the biggest money drain I've seen in a long time. And how it was allowed to continue and progress. And now it's like. Uh, uh, you know, an overstaying relative. You, all you do is all you hear is news about it, and it's always bad. So I don't know. All right, Jamie Murphy is the secretary of the Missouri Republican Party and also chief of staff uh, for the most awesome patriot in Missouri, as far as I'm concerned, or one of them at least. There, there's a whole group of them, but uh, Nick Schwar is uh, is an awesome dude. So Jamie Murphy is his chief of staff, and also though the Missouri uh, secretary of the Missouri Republican Party and. I have been wanting to get a hold of somebody who could tell me about this caucus system because let me tell you something, uh, I hate it and I wish we were back at the primary level and how we wound up ha- having a primary slip through our fingers is beyond me. Jamie Murphy, welcome to the show. How you doing? Hey, I'm pretty good. Thank you for having me. So, okay, how did this happen? How do, how do we lose the primary? So like all bad things, it starts with COVID. Uh, You had the 2020 election cycle. You had all of the changes around how voting laws went. And I actually, I was in the building when all of this was happening. And there were weird things happening. Like the consultant class would come in. They'd be like, we have to allow drop boxes and mail-in voting because the Supreme Court has hinted on how they'd rule on this if a case were filed in the future. First off, never known the Supreme Court to do that, but literally that's what the legislature was being told. So we changed all and monkeyed around with all the voter laws. And then in 2022, kind of realized some of the errors and went back and said, okay, you know, Zuckerbucks had a big part. We're going to eliminate Zuckerbucks. We're not going to do these drop boxes. We're not going to do these big mail-in ballots. So then they changed it. It was this big omnibus bill. And the one thing you should know about county clerks, and I'm actually going to be kind to St. Louis County here. St. Louis County, not part of this. They're capable of running elections whenever they want because they print the ballots at the spot. But the rest of the county clerks of the state actually don't like running elections. And they go, oh, it's a $7 million unfunded mandate to hold this primary election. You know, that whole cost of democracy thing was too high. (laughs) And, And we don't want to do it. And they had convinced people enough that this bad idea wrapped around all of these good ideas was enough to get the bill across the line. So in 2022, the law changed that eliminated the presidential primary. So then if we go to last session, both the Republican Party and the Democrat Party agreed that was a bad thing. So there was a bill that would bring back the primary, and you had Russ Carnahan sitting next to Nick Myers, so the chair of the Democrat Party sitting next to the chair of the Republican Party in a committee room going, bring this back. And it didn't happen. So the last week of session, the bill was nowhere. And they took an Andrew Koenig bill and they said that could kind of relate to elections if you held it upside down and you squinted. And they added it in a conference committee. And the way they did it wasn't even legal. And Andrew was like very uncomfortable with how his bill kind of got taken over. And it came up on the floor for about 10 minutes in the Senate and was pulled back. And that was the end of it. So that's the the short long story of how we got to where we are today. Well, I so thought, now, yeah. Well, Jamie, I thought. I mean, 
I thought conservatives, well, I guess they really don't, but I thought conservatives had a lot of swing uh, in in the state legislative level. Obviously, that we didn't see that necessarily when it came uh, to the uh, repeal of the personal property tax and that kind of thing. So this is kind of like a, uh, I, I, I feel like this, the Republicans shouldn't have let this happen. I agree with that. And look, the Republican Party and the Democrat Party, I'm going to on equal foot, you know, went out there and did try to lobby this. And there was a little bit of slapdown of kind of party politics there. Uh, a lot of the reps, because I, I never testified as a, a staffer in the building on a bill, but this was one that I did. Um, and when you talk to reps and you say, hey, we really got to bring back this presidential primary, uh, they'd be like, well, why? Well, because, you know, the caucus system's really difficult. It's cumbersome. It, it's exclusive. If you work a full time job, if you're a first responder, if you're deployed in the military, you don't get a say like that's a pretty big deal. We got to bring this thing back. Well, what's the party ever done for me? And, and it was almost like this bitter response. Well, the party wants it. So therefore, it's not a priority. Uh, and that was a little frustrating when you're trying to talk, because it's like, take that out of it. I never thought the Republican Party wanting something was a bad thing, but apparently in Republican politics, it is in Jeff City. But take that part out of it. The reality is, is it's an exclusive system. Primary yeah. or caucuses prohibit people, who, moms who have kids, people who can't spend four hours in a room, first respray, all of those people can't participate by the nature. Um, but that's what we have. So... Both parties have done something different. The Democrats are still going to try to hold the election uh, of sorts. They have no money. And Russ Carnahan came out and said, we don't have money to do this. So we're going to try to do an election with ballots and people showed up. The Republican Party said, OK, we have this caucus system. Um, we've done it before. It was a disaster in the past. So let's let's try to tackle this and let's figure out how we can do it better. So first was the date. The RNC says the earliest you can do a caucus is March 1st. So we say, great, we'll do ours March 2nd. Why do we pick March 2nd? Because you try to be relevant, right? If you get too far down, all of the candidates that are out are out. Nobody's spending money in your state. They're not visiting in your state. They're not campaigning here. So first we wanted to be relevant. So we picked an early date to try to draw candidates here. The other thing we did was we had to figure out how to pay for it. And this this was actually a fairly good move. Um, so we actually charged candidates 50 grand a piece to be part of the Missouri caucus. So the Republican Party raised $450,000 off this. Wow. So we have nine candidates that are going to be participating in the Missouri caucus. Um, so yeah, not a bad move. But then um, – the, we, we looked at what we did in the past. We said, okay, St. Charles was a mess last time we had a caucus. All of these caucuses erupted. What did they fight over? Yeah. Well, they fought over the rules. They fought over the parliamentary procedure. They fought over kind of how the caucus was going to be run. So the state party said, you know what? We're going to set the rules, and the rules can't change. And if anybody wants to change the rules, then their caucus is invalid. Their delegates are stripped. So there's a pretty big hammer there if you try to monkey around with the rules. So the rules are the rules. And then we said, well, these caucuses took forever. We're good with debate and all this, but like when the voting starts, it can't be a seven-hour process. Nobody has time for that. So we actually set a timetable. So, you know, there's negotiation periods of 30 minutes, and then whoever's elected chair gets to, to, to decide, essentially, where the breakdown goes. So there's two ways the caucus will work. There's the, the plurality. So 
one candidate, Trump comes in, everybody in the room supports Trump, Trump gets all your delegates, then it's over. Pretty easy. But if nobody gets a high percentage of the room, then you kind of have to negotiate and say, okay, Trump will get six, Nikki Haley will get three, Ramaswamy will get two, and they have to negotiate what the breakdown is. And that's what you have a 30-minute clock to do or the chair gets to decide. Well, I mean, so, when it, when it, when it, that's that's what's crazy about it is that I remember the caucus system. I remember what happened in 2012. That was, at the time, that was a Romney-Ron Paul thing. And yeah. uh, I remember it was, well, they call it the raucous caucus, right? People made T-shirts and that kind of thing. But the the, the issue, though, is most of it, though, was uh, about all about people like on their little committees and from the this central committee and that committee and this committee, normal average everyday people weren't didn't really have access to this stuff. Correct, you're a hundred percent. So first off, you're right. The central committee is if you knew the rules and you knew that all you had to do was get through the the rule votes and the leadership votes early on, you controlled the whole thing and nobody's opinion mattered. You can slam through whoever you wanted. That That is exactly how the last caucus went. In fact, I know people that are good Republicans who still don't talk to one another yeah. because of how the caucuses went in 2012. Yeah. True story. They don't bad. talk to each other. They're mad to this day. Yeah. Um, so, so the goal was try to eliminate that, right? You eliminate the rules, the rule debate, and you just say, here's the rules, here's how it's going to go, and everybody has kind of an even playing field. The other thing we're doing is we're attempting to be more communicative, right? We're trying to tell people about what this is, and the party – uh, is going to post the rules on its website well in advance. We're building a whole new website for this. should be out in January. Uh, but we're going to post all the rules well in advance. They have training seminars. We videotaped our training to our caucus chairs. We're going to post that video online. Our goal is to make this as fair and transparent as possible so that you have all the tools you need as an average citizen going into this caucus who have not spent weeks upon weeks and meeting upon meeting planning this thing. Because you're right, the central committees and the Republican parties as a whole are going to have an upper hand when it comes to how this operates because we've now done trainings in every region of the state for the past six months. Well, I'm really, I, I really thank the Lord that you are involved because, because uh, I know that you are a common sense conservative, and anybody who's associating with Nick Shore has has got to be. But that the, the, it actually is a saving grace that you are at the level you're at in the Republican Party in Missouri. Because without you kind of, you know, running uh, a little bit of, of law enforcement, so to speak, uh, on this caucus system, we'd it would really be bad, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to participate in the caucus because we're going to be running a helpline. We're going to have like a triage center, me and the ED of the Republican Party. And, you know, we're going to try to help prevent the problems. And if the St. Charles erupts somewhere in the state, we're going to kind of go. We're going to show up, assuming we can get there and try to help address some of these things to make sure that we have a fair process and that people's voices are actually heard. Um, you know, we'll see what the election cycle looks like. Trump could be the guy by then. Yeah, well, uh, or I, true. Maybe it could change. Well, let me tell you something. An election should not need a helpline. That's for right. sure. <laughs> that, that, we have right for the I'm glad you have it, though. I'm, I'm glad you're doing it. Uh, but 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 still, the, 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 everything about those two concepts together, election and helpline, uh, do not match <laughs> up. So 
<laughs> you know, I, I, I get you, right? But it's not an yeah. election; it's a caucus. Yeah, right. right? Oh, yeah, sorry. Procedure. Yeah, mm-hmm. Roberts' rules is goofy. Oh, Lord. Roberts' rules isn't things people deal with every day, unless you work in the legislature and you read them all the time. Yeah. Um, so, like, so, like, this isn't just a simple system, right? This is a public forum. This is this is old school politics. This is what they did in the 1920s. Yeah. Um, this is it. So it's different. Yeah. It's not what we're accustomed to. It's not what we're used to. But it's going to be a great thing i think for missouri i think we're going to end up having a lot of national attention i think we're going to run a good caucus for yeah. the people of missouri well I'm, I'm sure you will i mean and, and i again as i point out the fact that you're involved is really super reassuring jamie murphy because i i because again uh this thing is fraught with trouble and last in 2012 i remember it uh because the Rand paul the ron paul people were kind of like i think almost like the trump people are will be this time around uh, and, and they kept on trying to wrestle uh, the the Romney people and all the people who were holding the Roberts Rules books and all that kind of stuff. They were trying to kind of get uh, have influence at this caucus. It was really uh, very tense. <laughs> it was it was something else, man. So yeah. didn't they cancel the St. Charles caucus and have to do a do over? I think they did. I remember it was I just. Police, I think the police got called. I mean, it was a mess. Yeah, it was. That a- is not the goal. We, we <laughs> learned from that. Yeah, right, right. Well, uh, Jamie Murphy, thank you for the uh, the revelations here, and also just for the primer on how the caucus will go. I will we'll be keeping in touch and obviously uh, anything you ha- might have to add to something, you just let me know, and and we'll we'll keep in touch over this. Perfect. I appreciate you having me on. If you have any more questions, let me know. All right. That's Jamie Murphy, who is the secretary of the Missouri Republican Party, and he is also uh, the chief of staff for Nick Schroer. One of the Bindi asked on the Facebook page about the constitutionality. Like, what does the Constitution say? Well, the Constitution says the legislature sets up elections. They 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 decide legislative rules. That was the crux of the issue in Pennsylvania, for instance. The legislature uh, did not authorize, for instance, mail-in voting to go for three days. Uh, It was the Supreme Court that allowed mail-in voting to go three more days. That was unconstitutional in Pennsylvania because it's only the legislature that can set the rules for elections, not the Supreme Court. And that was the crux of the case where Texas sued Pennsylvania. We added onto that suit. Uh, but that was the whole crux of the issue. And if actually the Supreme Court didn't violate the Pennsylvania Constitution, Donald Trump could very well be in the White House right now. The Supreme Court refused to hear the case, even though it was a Trump Supreme Court. And the rest, of course, is history, but that, but so to your point, Bindi, to your question, the legislature, the Constitution says the legislature decides the rules. Here's what we're going to have to do, people. This is what we're you're going to have to start organizing now. And, and, and I don't want to, I don't want Jamie Murphy to get mad at me about this, but we need to organize a Trump raucous caucus brigade and show up just like the Rand Paul people did in St. Charles. Uh, when they were trying to shove Mitt Romney down everybody's throats, it turns out I mean, Ron Paul. It turns out the Ron Paul people were right, uh, and and and, uh, and the Romney people. Go, I mean, they were they weren't wrong at the time. I mean, there were I knew a lot of good Romney people. I voted for Mitt Romney, so you know 
I supported Mitt Romney. So I'm just saying that we're going to have to not disrupt the caucuses because uh, I don't want I don't want to make Jamie Murphy mad and his job harder. Uh, but but we need to have a presence there. And as, as Jamie Murphy pointed out, the caucus system is not set up for you and me. We don't have the time. Uh, and we're, but we're going to have to make it this time. We're going to have to make the time. But but we don't have that kind of time. And, and, and hell, some people don't even have time to vote for whatever reason. This was this is set up. The caucus system is a perfect kind of clubby, a little place for all the committee people all to, you know, do their thing with each other. Uh, but but that's that's what it's all about. So we have to really. Make sure that if you if you do support President Trump and you want to make sure that voice is heard, as Jamie points out, there's a good possibility uh, that it might not even be an issue uh, by that time. But still, it's going to be something. And I think you can feel good knowing that that Jamie Murphy's there. (laughs) It's Common Sense Radio. Good morning, everybody, and I will tell you, this is what passes for journalism nowadays, and that is, oh, yes, thank you, Laura Liz, it was uh, Ron Paul versus Rick Santorum people, thank you for the clarification, I thought it was Romney, though, I think there was some, there was some degree of prominence of the, of the Romney camp, because I remember the Romney camp uh, being there, and I remember some of the consternation, but uh, but I I forgot that Santorum was in the mix as well. Anyway, this is what passes at jur- uh, for journalism now, where you have a bunch of scolding anchors who will correct people in mid stage when the correction actually is a an opinion. It's not actually a correction. So somebody brought up. Brought this up yesterday over the because over the weekend it was Arthel Neville and Midget Boy anchoring the weekend news. Both of these people are insufferable leftists and don't hide it and act like the objective journalists, but they're really not. Uh, Midget Guy is is a lot more anti-Trump and everything else than, than, than Arthel Neville, but she's, she's close. And here's, here's, what, here's what went down on the air. You're better, and it works. Mine won't. <laughs> and then, no. Well, the former president finally got around to some campaign promises amid lots of cheering, as you heard. Many untruths. The 2020 election was not rigged. It was not stolen. Arthel Neville is saying something that she actually cannot back up. Uh, It's neither provably true or provably untrue. And as a so-called journalist, you you have no business rendering your opinion, particularly when it comes to kind of midstreaming a speech by President Trump. And so... She might think, and she was heralded all over the mainstream media. Oh, wow, look at this Fox News host calling out Donald Trump. The fact of the matter is, and this is a matter of fact, people, this is not just crazy Trumpy fanboy Jamie Allman saying this. 
We don't know whether the election was stolen or not. It has never been adjudicated. It was never actually investigated and didn't go through the process uh, that that of, of January 6th that was actually called for. So, so the idea that Arthel Neville can come out and say with forcefulness that the election was not rigged and was not stolen, she actually cannot say that uh, as a matter of fact. And so at that point, all it is is left-wing creep Arthel Neville trolling Donald Trump instead of actually just doing her job, which is reporting the news. But again, she was treated like an American hero in the mainstream media after she did that. Every website's like, look at Arthel Neville standing up to Donald Trump. It's like, actually, she has no, that's not her place. Uh, and, and, and to go on the air and actually state something that you don't know is true is something you can be fired for, especially when it comes attached to obviously a clear agenda. At that point, you are, as an anchor, you're politicking and, and you're you're promoting your own personal views, which if you carry yourself as an objective journalist like she does, I mean, it's not like it's Greg Gutfeld or someone like that who we know where they stand. Uh, if, if she carries herself as a real journalist, she has no business actually saying that and should be disciplined for it, actually. I'm not, I'm not like for firing people, but you know what I mean. Uh, that's something that actually journalistically is a bad move and totally unprofessional. Just saying. It's Common Sense Radio. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. Welcome to the all-new 104.9. The Patriot. Real Talk. Good morning, everybody, and happy Tuesday. This is Allman in the Morning, and it is Common Sense Radio. Jamie Allman here, privileged uh, to be with you. As uh, all of you know, uh, I like to annoy myself. I like, I purposely choose things to read, sometimes even watch, that I know are going to boil my blood, are going to drive me crazy. Because it's good. It's good for the soul. It's good to sharpen your Acts, all those kinds of things. The only thing I don't purposely do is listen to Green Day and never will. But other than that, I expose myself to a variety of different ideas throughout the day. And I'm not I'm not afraid of that. I, and I saw this headline uh, from a Salon magazine article. And it said this. Mike Johnson claims to hate the devil. Maybe he should look in the mirror. And I said, oh, this. This is going to be something here. And not only is it something, it is written by a Christian minister. His name is Reverend Nathaniel Manderson. And they had his email address on there. And I said, well, I'll just email him. He'll probably never get back to me. These guys, these snooty people at Salon and all those other operations never talk to lowlifes and rubes and sheep like me on their way to uh, they're 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 in their high tower well uh reverend manderson got back to me right away because i asked him to come on the show and he got back to me right away reverend manderson first of all welcome to the show how are you 
Jane, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm glad you reached out. I, me too. And let me tell you right off the bat uh, that as much as I disagree with you uh, on, on this matter specifically, but we'll get into it, I do really appreciate the fact that you got back to me so quickly and, and said, sure, I'll come on. I'll come on. It even kind of vetted me a little bit because you listened to some of the shows and those kinds of things. So um, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, and and for such a nice guy, I'm actually shocked that you would even throw this out there, that you actually think Mike Johnson is closer to the devil and may even be the devil. How, <laughs> how did you come to that conclusion? Well, I don't know about him being the devil. I, I do believe that there is evil in the world, and I do believe that one of, historically speaking, the, one of the great places for uh, evil to exist or to try to Im- infiltrate is through the church. And he is certainly very connected to the evangelical agenda, obviously. Uh, I'm sure that they're crazy thrilled of, of his position. And I just believe that there is an influence that is pulling us or pulling the church away from all the things that we're supposed to care about and toward an area that we don't need to care about. And, um, and so I'm not saying like the devil's like pulling his strings. I'm just saying there's an influence and I'm not, I'm sure he's not even necessarily aware of it. Of course he's not. And he's probably a good father, a good, good husband and a good, uh, a good man at home. But in his political agenda and what he's pushing forward is taking, uh, is, is destroying the Christian message. Okay. Well, mind. let me ask you something. You, you say, uh, things we're supposed to care about. Uh, on what are you basing uh, the word "supposed"? The word "supposed to." What 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 are we supposed to care about, and what are you basing your position on? Well, all right. So I have kind of two areas the way I approach you know this country. I have kind of my political understanding and, and how I approach that, and then I have my Christian piece. Now, when you combine those two things, which so many Republican evangelicals are doing, including Mike Johnson. Uh, then you bring in a, a specific agenda that is completely unnecessary, like stopping gay marriage uh, or standing against the L. I don't know. You know the long letters. <laughs> I, I don't know the letters as much anymore either. LGBTQ and all that. Uh, it, is, it is an agenda that we don't need to, and the church does not, or the Bible does not, and certainly Christ does not send us down that path. Right, wait, wait, and, wait, and can can I ask you though? Where, what, what, what did Mike Please. Johnson say? What, what did he do to stop gay marriage that you're concerned about? I, I don't recall him doing anything I don't know to stop about gay him. marriage. I'm not sure if I'm concerned. I, I, I think he would. I think everything about his agenda, he's tried to make it illegal, sodomy to be illegal. Uh, he's certainly done, done anything he could in his state to try to prevent uh, that lifestyle from coming out. And he's talked about it as an evil uh, lifestyle. I mean, he's totally been open about that. I don't think that's a hidden agenda for him well i mean but but, I but, I, but it's not, yeah. i don't know whether i, I, I th- those might be his feelings but i'm not quite sure that's actually a legislative agenda like for instance uh, i have feelings i I, th- I don't care who gets married um i don't think the government ought to decide who gets married and i don't even think yeah. they ought to be issuing marriage license to heterosexual couples it's all a scam anyway <laughs> but, but I, right. I, so, so, so i don't care I, <laughs> I don't care who gets married but i do as a, as a point of precision here though uh, you're going really far here uh, in, in in basically calling Mike Johnson evil based on what you think he wants to do or would do if he had the chance, not on what he's doing. And I'm not quite sure that's Christian either. 
Well, part of what I have to do as an, as an or minister is I do have two essentially two agendas. Christ gave us two agendas. Even the evangelical movement kind of understands this in many ways, that you're supposed to reach down, reach out to the disenfranchised, push back, push aside, forgotten about by the church or the Rome for that matter, and, uh, and then also expose the religious hypocrisy. So this is what I'm trying wait, wait, to do. Wait, okay, wait, let me uh, ask you this. Let me ask you this, though. I, I understand sure. the, the, the way Christ operated uh, on the sure. ground, and that was he exposed hypocrisy among the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the high priests. And right. I love uh, that, and that's always fun to read about in the Gospels and things right. like that. Uh, but, 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 I, but, but I know uh, only two agendas because Jesus actually addressed them when he was asked uh, the two important commandments is to love God uh, and, and love one another. So I'm, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, but I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I've ever heard him say your agenda is to expose hypocrisy. I've never. <laughs> I've never read that in the Bible. Well, but when you read through the Gospels, he clearly has two pieces of his ministry that yeah. is predominant. Like those, and so I'm just evaluating his ministry based on the four Gospels and what Paul wrote about him. Yeah. That this that these kind of things were what you're supposed to do. I mean, I I'm just not obviously I'm, I'm supposed to love God and love my brother, and I love Mike Johnson. I have no problem with with loving someone that is on the wrong path, and I simply believe he's on the wrong path. Right. And he, well, and, 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 and again, I hate to interrupt you, but but when you say exposing no. hypocrisy, keep in mind that hypocrisy is all a judgment of hypocrisy is always based on one's personal opinion about what is hypocrisy. Like, for instance, like, I, like sure. it, it, let me put it this way. In reading your article, for instance, I look down and, and I see one paragraph where you are talking about a show that you watched, The 90 Day Fiancé, uh, <laughs> which you're, 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 you're kind of joking about. But you say yeah. uh, that I hate this show and all the people <laughs> on it. Now, keep in mind, okay. uh, the thing that stands out to me is because I never use the word hate. Because hate is a word, a strong word, uh, and, and actually not a word that should ever be uttered by anybody about anything. Uh, and, and, and so hate is like a really strong word to use. In fact, uh, my grandmother, uh, I, ever since my grhandmother admonished me when I told her I loved her rhubarb pie, she said, <laughs> you can't love a pie, you can only love people, and you can't hate anybody. And, and so and so and so that so, pie, so that stood, okay that stood that. out to <laughs> me. That stood out to me as wow. This is like a a, a a minister in the First Baptist Church saying he hates people, which is like wow. Well, I, I mean, mean that that's that's a. I mean I would never imagine that coming from any of my kids, uh, much less sure. a minister. So that's what really confused me. So now, now keep in mind, I, am I calling you a hypocrite? Not really. I just am a little confused by it, but I could call you a hypocrite because to me it's hypocritical for a person spreading love and wanting to spread love and actually calling people out and calling people evil who aren't doing spreading love the way he wants to saying he hates somebody. I know I'm being nitpicky, but I'm just telling you as a matter of argument, I could call you a hypocrite for that. Well, you know, what's interesting about this is that I'll answer that about the hate, the hate, the hate word. Uh, but it, the truth is, is that one of the problems, and I actually don't agree with this criticism against the evangelicals, is that they've been defined, at least family, focus on the family has been defined as a hate group by the ACLU. I think that's ridiculous. 
but they will come they are defined as that because they speak out against uh gay lifestyle and any of these other things that they believe is against god and all this stuff and so they're defined as hate i don't think what i'm doing is is hateful what i'm doing is what the evangelicals do where when you see something that you know is against the church you know is against god you have to speak it you have to say it and that's how you go into the public square that's how the evangelicals taught me how to go into the public square that you have to hold the bible in your hand and and pull the voting lever with the other hand so i'm op- i i have to to do this. I don't always enjoy necessarily doing it. This is just what it is. Boy, if anybody does hate, that, I don't really hate. I don't really hate anyone on Ninety Day Fiance. I'm, I was being a little facetious. I yeah, mean, I don't it's actually. I mean, reality shows in general. I I watch because friend watches, and I don't know. It, it, you, they can drive you crazy. I was being a oh, little. Oh yeah. So maybe I shouldn't have said it. Fine, I can live with that. But I I uh, I don't actually hate them. I just. Well, there are times where I feel yeah. a sense of hatred toward how they act. <laughs> well, now, now, now I, now I actually finally know someone who watches reality shows still. So, uh, but I'm talking yeah, with uh, Rever- Reverend Nathaniel Anderson. He wrote uh, this: Mike Johnson claims to hate the devil. Maybe he should look in the mirror. Which I thought was like, whoa, I got to read this. And he was kind enough to come on the show. What, what's interesting though, too, is you talked about holding a Bible in one hand and pulling the lever with the other. Yeah. Of anybody. Doing that publicly, it's Mike Johnson. He is. I agree. That's why I'm telling you that he, they, their approach to going into the public square is the same as my approach. It's just what I have taken out from the scripture is quite different. I mean, uh, than what they have taken out from the scripture. The agenda that they feel compelled to push forward because of the Bible, he says that. The Bible, you want to know your worldview, we'll look at the Bible. Right. And so I am the same. I just my breakdown of what the Christian faith and what we should be bringing into the public square is dramatically different than what Mike Johnson is doing. Yeah, it's interesting, though, uh, that that you have decided that this is going to be your hill here regarding calling out evil, because I think that that's one of the problems in our society is that we associate uh, political ideas uh, with uh, evil, uh, which which actually it's just a political idea and should be vetted and that kind of thing, uh, questioning actually the hearts and souls of people. Now, I can't I like, for instance, I think the people who are on the street right now with free Palestine signs are actually evil. I think uh, they hate Jews. They're anti-Semitic. They uh, are supportive of terrorism uh, and uh, and genocide. And uh, they're on the streets doing it. Now, I think that's pretty evil. I think having a position on abortion or having a position on whatever it is out there on welfare or on taxes, I'm not quite sure you could really say that they assign the devil uh, to points of view like that. I, I mean, I'm, I just it just is confusing to me. And then I wonder also whether or not you think you might be contributing to really what I think is a wave of hatred towards the Judeo-Christian mentality and, and part of our society here. Uh, and and I, I'm not quite sure this is helpful, uh, really. I'm not, I'm not saying you have to be helpful. I'm just saying that this doesn't seem very helpful to decide, hey, I'm a minister, and now I'm calling people who don't agree with me evil. And because because what you're doing is I like I support Donald Trump. So what you're doing is in essence you're saying I'm evil because I support Donald Trump. 
No, I don't believe you are. I don't believe even Donald Trump is. I, I don't necessarily believe Mike Johnson is. I do believe that they are leading us or using, when I see politics take religion and use it to oppress, I have to speak the truth. You know, the part of the scripture even says that his word does not bring unity, it brings division. So yes, my language, what I'm saying does bring about division. And evangelicals have been accused of the same idea that they bring about, they, at times, it sounds like divisive language, but they have to hold true to what they believe. I do as well. I don't want to create division. I actually believe and I feel more connected and more comfortable in kind of a Trump environment. Like if I'm going out for having to have drinks, my friends are typically more right wing. I, I just, I don't, liberals annoy me a lot of times, but so I, I'm not, I'm not really that type, but I do have to, when I speak into the public, I have to speak the truth. I have to hold to my, my religious views and where I see that there is a problem. Is it the same level of evil as what's happening uh, with Hamas? Of course not. What, they're, what is Hamas is doing and, and their agenda and those that support them, that is also evil. That is also people that are using a word of God to, to commit terrible acts of atrocities. It's disgusting. And the support that I've seen on the college campuses for Hamas is also disgusting. So I have no problem with that criticism, and I do think there are levels. But in the past, historically speaking, the Christians were on some really bad sides. Uh, we're not doing the violence like we did in the years past, but we are still doing things that are wrong. I have to clean up my own house before I get to clean up others. Yeah, that, that would actually be a good article, what you just said. <laughs> I mean, because, because it seems like you're you harder on a guy like Mike Johnson than you are on people on a college campus supporting Hamas and, and terror. You know what I'm saying? Because Mike Johnson is in my house. Like, he's a believer, just like I am. You know, he believes in the book. And, I, and part of the agenda, when I look at the book, when I look at the Bible, it does call me to go inside first. And it actually, there's actually elements to the scripture that, that hint at the idea that I'm not supposed to judge those outside the church which is even weirder, like even if I did believe gay marriage was a sin, which I don't, uh, let's say I did, um, it still would be none of my business to put that into the political world and to condemn or, or prevent other people from marrying. I'm with you. I think all marriage should be, marriage itself can be problematic for many of us. But, uh, but it's, um, no, I, I, I have to clean up my own house, even if it's not as dirty as other people's well, houses. Well, no, I, 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 actually, I, actually, I actually have yeah. some uh, agreement with you on that concept because I'm that way yeah. with Republicans. Like, for instance, uh, uh, t uh, at times on this air, I am a lot harder on Republicans than I would be on Democrats because I'm in the sure. Republican realm and they can do more harm to me. Uh, than exactly. a Democrat can at this point when you have somebody in your house who's this way. But I, but I think that it, it's, but I think I, I, I understand your positions on what God wants for people. And I mean, there's arguments within churches all the time about, you know, Matthew 5, 6 and really what it means. You know, is it really redistribution of wealth or is it really just, you know, so, <laughs> right. so, but, but so we get that. But, but here's the thing though. I'm asking you because because Mike Johnson is obviously your target, and obviously he's in your house here. So, what has Mike Johnson done as Speaker of the House uh, and as a federal politician? What has he done that is divisive, as you point out? Can you name anything he's he said that is divisive? Since he has taken over as House Leader, I I can't. I I don't see something that has 
uh, gotten under my skin. It, it's more about who I know who he, who he is and what he's done in the past and what he is capable of doing in the future. He has not. You know what I mean? I have no problem uh, with ha- with his approach uh, at, at this point in, in terms of his well, uh, political I, you, when was your article? Uh, maneuvering around the, around, the, around the money. Okay, because uh, your article was my, written it's still like... present about who he is as a person. The article was written like three days ago, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm well, just saying, I'm saying that, that's, that's, I mean, for, for you to say, well, he hasn't really done anything I disagree with. And it's for you to that, that, that then to come up with then at that point a headline okay, saying Mike Johnson. For like a week. What's that? He's been house speaker. For, he's been house speaker for like a week. I mean, well, not a week. I mean, it's I, been a I've while. Been time. <laughs> All right. Yeah. He will send me. Don't worry. Yeah. I, I, he, he's, he, he's, he's, um, you know, I, I I don't always know where, where these Republicans are going to go. I just know what he believes. He says the Bible is his worldview. So that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, but, it, but so it's, 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 it's that your, he it's, could approach his politics and his agenda through that worldview. Right. It's your worldview, too, though, right? I mean, you, 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 you're you a minister for quite yeah, a lot. So it is your right. worldview. My, world, my Christian worldview and my understanding of the Bible is right and his is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I understand that and respect that part of it, uh, but I, I, I really was a little bit taken aback by what, you, you know, Christ has two mandates sure. and it is, you know, call out hypocrisy, yeah. but that's not really what a Christ mandate. That's just kind of what he did. Uh, but so, uh, so anyway, right. I'm just, you know, I'm, so that's weird that, that in the end, you know, him saying that the Bible is his worldview actually kind of rubs you the wrong way, it seems. Because I know how he interprets the Bible, and I know what that means. And I, because I listen to, I'm a little bit like you. I heard you before you, we connected. I have a tendency to listen to people that I disagree with much more than I listen to people that I agree with. And so I am regularly on evangelical radio. Uh, I understand completely what their agenda is and where they're pointing their and what they want to do in terms of change in, in, in America and what they would like America to look like. So Mike Johnson is going to be what he is. I, I understand completely when he says that worldview. Yeah, that's that's a worldview yeah. that can be problematic. But but the thing is, but thing is, in the end, though, when you say that uh, you're you have trouble with how he interprets the Bible, but when you interpret something, isn't that a very individual, free will, godly thing? Because you interpret the Bible a certain way too, right? It isn't. It is until he tries to bring that worldview into our. Our laws, but he hasn't done that. But he will. Oh, okay, you can't tell so, me that you don't think he's not going to try to push. You know, getting back to traditional family values, making abortion illegal at conception. You know, like he's going to go for those things. Well, I mean, there's I, no I, way I, that he won't. Well, I'm a conservative, and I actually don't want any abortion laws federalized. And he is actually a conservative, and has not talked at all about federalizing abortion the way some Republicans have. We already have had abortion adjudicated to the Supreme Court. It's up to the states, sure. and that's that's the way yeah. it should be. So anyway, right. I, well, you you got me to click on your article. Uh, I'm, I'm just, yeah, <laughs> I, I just, I'm just not quite sure that, uh, you, you, I, I mean, I, and, and he seems to be an easy target, uh, and I appreciate you coming on and, and, uh, at least trying to defend whatever it is you're saying here. So, you know, um, no, it's my, I, it's my pleasure to talk about it. I mean, this is, this is, this is what I actually think needs to be done more. I think too many of us are not talking across, across whatever aisle people claim is there. I have to admit, enjoyed these conversations and others. I have to admit, it's kind of hard to have people talk across aisles 
when they're being compared to the devil, to tell you yeah, the truth. I understand. No, um, I, I, I understand, but I think we still can. See, like, I can think someone is, you know, really terrible. I mean, when I re- I've read a few uh, diplomacy books, uh, a little bit of Henry Kissinger and another one by uh, Samantha Power, and, uh, and just you, you have to be able to talk to people that you do think some of these terrible thoughts, because you know typically they might not be inherently evil, but they could be heading down the wrong path. And if you just choose not to talk to them, well, they're just going to head further down that wrong path. And, uh, and you, you'll have less and less of an understanding of who they are what and is, what their motives real qu- are. And and that's I, important. I got to go here real quickly, but what, what is the First sure. Baptist Church? I mean, cause I, 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 I see them all over the place. Is that, is that one denomination, the First Baptist Church? Baptist, Baptist, the Baptist denomination, American Baptist Church is USA. So typically when you see a First Baptist Church, it's amongst that denomination, which is kind of split. You know, like Pastor Jeffers, Robert Jeffers is a, is a Baptist, American Baptist, but he's obviously right-leaning. But typically in the Northeast, they're very left-leaning. It's a, it's a, they're a bit of a mess, to be honest. <laughs> well, and I, and by the way, uh, real quickly, uh, you said that the ACLU declared focus on the family a hate group. I'm not sure the ACLU does that. It might, might have been the Southern no, no, Poverty was... Law Center, which is a no, bunch no, of terrorists. You're right. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. No, the Southern right. Poverty no, Law Center is... No, it was, it was them. Yeah. Because... And it's wrong of them to do that. Oh, of course. They're well, wrong it's wrong that. of them to exist. They're, they're a total... <laughs> Uh, creep show, and 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 they're they're they basically are a bunch of left wing terrorists who go and attack people. So I I knew when you said the ACLU, I knew yeah, that yeah. wasn't true. Yeah, All right. right, hey uh, Nathaniel Anderson, uh, Reverend Nathaniel Anderson, thanks a lot for coming on the show. I really do appreciate you willing to come on and talk about this and talk about this article, and uh, we'll talk again soon. I hope. I hope so, too, Jamie. Thank All right, you very so much. that is uh, Reverend Nathaniel Manderson in the Salon article. I was like, woo. But I'll tell you one thing. I emailed him, and he got right back to me and was willing to come on knowing who I am. So there we go. Judge Napolitano straight ahead, y'all. We'll talk about this tax code Supreme Court issue. And, uh, and later, after, the, after I talk with the judge, if you want to line up and let me know what you thought about this dude. Great. TLKFM Columbia, 1049, The Patriot. Listen on the free iHeartRadio app for all your music.